Welcome to Build and Learn. I'm CJ. And I'm Colin. And today we are hanging out with Chris Oliver. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. You too. I think we should probably just run down the list of all the things that Chris works on. In case you don't, if you Do haven't already. Do you have time already... for all that? <laughs> Do you have time for all that? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like it some days. I mean, the biggest thing right now is that you've got a baby, right? Which is like taking yeah. all of your sleep. That's been, it's been wonderful. But yes, it is very, he's been a really good baby though. So like, I feel like he sleeps really well. He eats really well. He doesn't really cry that often unless he's hungry. Or like yesterday he got a shot. So he was like quite fussy compared to normal. But, you know, I think we've been very lucky. He turned seven months old today, actually. Okay. I'm enjoying it, but it, it does take like the routines all change. So like in the morning, get up, feed him, change him, take him to daycare. And like that was my prime time for recording videos and stuff. And now mm -hmm. that's gone. And then yep. some days I pick him up from school early because like he got a shot. So he had a temperature yesterday and they were like, oh, we got to send him home just to be safe. And I'm like, mm -hmm. so now I got to go take out an hour of my day in the middle of the day to go get him and. Mm -hmm. Then I I have him at home the rest of the day, so it's not like I'm be doing much recording then and stuff. So it's it's definitely squeeze work in where you can find it now. Mm -hmm. But at least like I work for myself and I can I can work weekends or nights or whatever you know works mm -hmm. out. Sounds like a little bit of a forced work life balance though. You got yeah, life, yeah, life it is, is going to happen. It is great. It's also been you know. Up until February this year, it was me and Colin. Colin started in January of last year, so 2022. Gilbert. Colin Gilbert. Yeah, he he was the first employee last year. And then in February this year, ended up hiring Kent and Andrew. And so now we're a team of four, which was like a much easier decision. Because like in the past, I was just kind of like, well, there's more support. I'll just like do it and... Mm -hmm. I had some time and it wasn't a big deal, but now it's like I have way less time. So mm -hmm. time to like reinvest the money into the the business and grow the team. And it'll take some time to train them and me to learn to be a manager and whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm doing a very different job now than I was, uh, but still trying to also do that same job I was previously doing with recording videos and maintaining code and projects and stuff. But, you know, it's time to spread the load. Is everyone on the team recording videos? I know Colin did a bunch. Yeah, Colin's been doing, he's been doing like the entire Ruby for Beginners series on our new nice. learning path. So we're trying to give, Go Rails for the longest time has been like Railscast was, which was like, here's the feature. And we just kind of jump around to different features. And, you know, some of them may be a multi-part thing that's like four or five videos long, but it was just kind of like, here's a random topic every week. But there was a lot of, in order to like, help beginners more and get more people in the rails community we ended up like let's go build a sort of curriculum and so we're gonna have like intro prerequisites which will cover like ruby sql html css javascript you know basics of all those then we'll build like i'm in the middle of recording our second Rails series which is going to be building a forum we built a blog originally and just did like all the little things of like Here's HTTP requests. Here's how routes are mapped and everything in, in Rails. The forum is like 
assume you learned a lot of those things. We'll repetitively do these things so you understand it as you go, but like we'll be a little less detailed on some of those and like, you know, jump into more complex things as we go. And a forum generally is like a blog, but there are all these other little nuances. Like a blog didn't need associations really, but now the forum needs a topic and forum posts and Mm -hmm. categories. And, you know, you may want to like the feature I was building today was like ding in or out of a thread to get notifications. That one's like, well, if you posted in the thread, you're de facto like subscribed. Mm-hmm. But if you're subscribed through that, then you might want to opt out. But you also might not have interacted on that topic. You just want to see any new posts so you can opt in. And, you know, there's like four different states or whatever you could be there. And so we're, you know, eking our way into those like more complex topics and stuff. But start out, do all the basics of the forum. And then like, here's notifications. Turns out they're not as simple as everything we've done so far. So, yep. you know, it'll be a challenge when you get to that part. But that's the point. Like, mm-hmm. do the repetitive work, ingrain that in your head, and then, like, do some expansion stuff that's a, a challenge or whatever for you. So, mm-hmm. I've got at least 10 different projects like that on the to do list to do for like Rails for Beginners. And then we're going to do some other stuff too, like building products and integrating Stripe and you know, doing more complex stuff and we'll probably have like three or four levels of different content for it, but trying to, you know, give sort of a curriculum and still also on top of that, do our weekly screencast and maintain Hatchbox and maintain Jumpstart and all of the open source projects too. And it's (laughs) kind of nuts, but. Yeah, that's wild. Have you ever considered yeah and having a baby i mean it's great that you're growing the team too because that'll take a load off have you considered teaching or like having a course about building a business like i feel like you've Mm. kind of figured the business stuff out pretty well too yeah that's a really good one i haven't thought about doing exactly that but sort of in that sense like because what i want to do with jumpstart is like give people more than just code for like starting your business so that would fit in really nicely there because I've thought about like I've actually written up I haven't published it yet but you know go use Stripe Atlas and then you know go find a lawyer and you know consider an S corporation if you don't want you know if you don't want investors then you know just having sort of like this whole detailed thing about like Make sure you set up an email list and get people on there and automate the welcome emails and have, you know, an evergreen sort of thing going on there to pitch your product to those people. And then, you know, trying to get into all that. So that would definitely make sense to do like a course with that. So, yeah, I'll definitely have to have to think about that and what it might what it might look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. That would be really fun. Because I would definitely, what I like making is stuff like that where I'm like, I wish I could have bought that 10 years ago when I was starting. If I could have paid 500 bucks or whatever for the, you know, complete course on all of those like little decisions you have to make along the way, even Mm, little things that are like, here, how do you deal with uh, with sales tax? You know, do you even need to deal with sales tax? I had no idea, but we can use, you know, Stripe tax or whatever to figure that out now much easier than I like read a bunch of crap on 
Missouri's website about sales tax and was like, well, if it's like, they don't charge sales tax for Netflix. Go rails is pretty close to Netflix. So I assume I don't have to charge sales tax in Missouri. And like, they eventually sent me a letter in the, in the mail that was like, you owe us $5,000 or something. And I was like, for what? And then I had to call them and they were like, you know, you explain your situation and they're like, yeah, just send us a note that this is why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they, and (laughs) they basically just do that as a tactic to scare you and, Mm -hmm. you know, taking it seriously and stuff, but they like estimate what you probably would owe. And I was like, Oh God, I don't like have $5,000. And I was like, and also I'm pretty sure I don't, I'm not supposed to. I would pay attention to that because states are becoming aware of SAS, the opportunity of SAS, and they're starting to come after even down to the state level. I think it was Chicago that is now doing like a, I don't know if it's, you have to have customers in Chicago or if you're based in Chicago, Transistor's running into this because John Buddha's in Chicago. And mm-hmm. so part mm-hmm. of the Transistor team is there. And so Justin Jackson has a whole bunch of episodes on their podcast, Build Your SaaS, about the trials and tribulations of just trying to just trying to stay on the right side of the line. Trying is to so comply. Difficult. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't yeah, know that's... what you don't know. And so like having that that bulleted list of, you know, this is how Jumpstart recommends you run your business would be pretty useful. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of that too, you can rely on, you know, if you have a good accountant, then they will know somebody who's a good lawyer for tax law and, you know, can refer you to somebody to get advice and whatever. Because we had them reach out again, I think it was, and it was like, or no, when when we launched Jumpstart, my accountant was like, hey, let's just go talk to a tax lawyer and have him look at your product and like write up whatever document. And it was basically like, you know, this is not taxable in Missouri. And if there ever comes contention with the state of Missouri, then like the tax lawyers, it's, it's on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. So you're basically paying him like a thousand dollars for insurance to protect you in case something does happen. So it's like, if he made a mistake, then okay, then he will deal with it. But we, you know, just, we paid a thousand dollars for a document for no reason unless something becomes a problem in the future, which it shouldn't, but it better safe than sorry. And you know, you're on the the right side of things there, but yeah, it's a pain when Colin Gilbert joined, he's in Louisiana. So Louisiana has different laws. And so we have to collect sales tax for just Louisiana customers for just some products because not all digital sales in Louisiana are the same. So a platform as a service like Hatchbox not sales taxable, but like Jumpstart is to Louisiana customers. And then also he lives in a, not a county, but a parish in Louisiana. They have their own sales tax there. So you got to do it on the state level and the county level or the parish level. And some states, like you mentioned, Colin, that are like where you're selling to, not where your company is based. They want to collect sales tax too. So technically there's a lot that even like having one sale in the UK or in Europe or whatever can like put you over the threshold. And, yeah. and so you're supposed to do that. And it just is making it awful for like entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. you're going to have to have just like a, you have to use something to help you because there's no way you can like do all that work because you're trying to make the business and make a salary period. Mm-hmm. But it's like, Oh great. Now you have all this overhead to even begin before you can make your first dollar. You'll have to like 
figure out all that. It's just, it's, I don't know, barriers to entry that are not great. doesn't really encourage people to create their own companies or anything. It's right. not good. Sounds but. like a good business opportunity for somebody out there. If anyone's listening and wants to pull up their sleeves create and get into t- tax. <laughs> you know, I mean, a new government would be useful. I mean, we we are like 50 unique countries, right? As the United States. It's like... Seriously. we CJ and I ran into this when we were doing e-commerce with... I mean, it's a physical product, but it was a subscription. And are you in Nexus or are you not? And Ugh. do you use... Which vendor do you use? This is pre-stripe text too so it was Mm -hmm. like you know which other api do we have to pay for and i think justin concluded there wasn't really a good bulletproof service for this yet so it's an opportunity out there for somebody yeah totally. yeah stripe tax was probably the easiest piece for me because i went in and created the products and then like read through all of the options for what tax category it was and then i found ones that were like platform as a service that's pretty much what hatchbox is just select that and then like okay now i know in the previews it would show like zero tax for missouri whatever for louisiana and you know any other future states we have added it'll show that and i would just kind of know where before i was like trying to read the louisiana you know law rulings and whatever for stuff and it's like good luck Mm -hmm. you'll you will never find what you want or you might find what you want, but you can't understand it because it's written in some obscure mm-hmm. language, legal ease. Yeah. You need some chat but, GPT to uh, translate it summary. into simple whatever. <laughs> I, re- I remember when I was working out of the collective, Colin, a- Anne like sat down with me and like helped. Sh- you guys have like a bunch of cheat sheets and stuff for getting hooked up in Nevada. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I don't know if that's still like a, a thing that you offer at the collective. That's something we should do more of for sure. It's one of those things where, I mean, I didn't expect that we were going to, this is the, this is the tax episode for everybody who <laughs> is just joining us. But even with the co-working space, we're a weird one where like every time we had to switch accountants for filing our taxes and they were like, you guys are passed through income. And I was like, if you change our, our income to pass through, like it affects us in such a weird way. And we're not passed through income, like a co-working space is not someone buying property and then renting it out to somebody. Mm-hmm. We It's like a whole right. service on top of the space. And there's obviously like probably a spectrum of co-working spaces where some of them just rent to somebody and call it a day. But like we have a team, we have a whole bunch of services and things that we offer, including like what you were just talking about. So, you know, I was like, this is how we should be classifying our, our revenue. And the, the accountant wanted to fight me about it. And it's like, We've been in business for 13 years. We are not doing this every year that we have to file our taxes. We did this then. And, you know, even the city was like, we don't really understand what you do here. And it's like, okay, let's let's make business a little bit easier for everybody. I, I know every new secretary of state's like, we're going to make government better for business. So let's let's actually do that, please. Like better websites, better, like let's get an API for all the state secretary of state websites. Like that's, that would be. You know, in 2023, you'd expect that. It'd be written in like soap, though. It would be, yeah. <laughs> You're like, can we just get a webhook? Can we get? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like co-working spaces are pretty, pretty new. Like, and also a lot of the companies that are being created with tools like Jumpstart are kind of like a lot of people have new ideas, and so sometimes mm-hmm. they don't fit nicely into these tax rules, or whatever. And I heard this quote on a podcast recently. 
and I thought it was really funny. And it's that we have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. And I just think about this all with like these politicians who are these old, you know, crusty people who lived in a completely different era than we are right now. And like just the thought of them trying to regulate something like AI or regulate something like, like, uh, yeah, like that interview with the TikTok CEO that was like, the guy was asking about like, do you have access to my home network? And he was like, well, duh, like it, like if you're at home and you, how do you think you get internet at home? Like (laughs) it's on your home network. That's what that is. And it's just like, yeah, how, how could they possibly, well, and you read some of those, some of those tax categories are hilarious because it's like this one really obscure little one-off thing. And you're like, why is there sales tax for like chocolate chip cookies Mm -hmm. in this one location or whatever? It's like some weird thing that happened. And, and then there's like just these very vague, like electronic service. You're Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know. Maybe that's it. But yeah, it's a, it's a mess. Everybody in government's like super old, don't really know technology. We don't even know a lot yeah. of the stuff that's going on. Has people it like we do one thing, but it's not like you know all the stuff that's going on in tech. There's just too much. So yeah, it's hard. Our, yeah, and our kids are gonna have to grow up in like a completely different. They're they're already growing up in a completely different world. I'm looking over my monitor at my son who is building a Google sheet of components for his own like custom PC build. And he's using Bing GPT like to confirm <laughs> the like compatibility of different components. So as an eight year old, he's able to like copy and paste from e-commerce websites to tell like, is this ATX board compatible with this power supply compatible with this? Like, Oh RAM? my God. And so like, this is, this is like a thousand times in the future or like you know a thousand steps in the future from where i was when when i was eight so like this is it's it's moving at a pace that's just like yeah i, I don't know how we, government is going to keep up we're just gonna have to sense. we're gonna have to get into politics guys we're gonna have to <laughs> I, yeah i mean i i almost wonder like if i'm already out of date you know like there's there's a few things where i'm like okay i i feel like i missed some stuff with that whole crypto wave and yeah. there's definitely some details in there where I would not have an informed opinion about how to regulate it well. And so like even I as, you know, I'm in my 30s, like I already feel uncomfortable about making policy around those like new things. And so, yeah, I don't even know. I think that's a, that's a good baby step from 80s though. Like 80s yeah. to 30s. <laughs> True. And, yeah. You, yeah. and you have this learning mindset. I think that's the difference. It's like we we learn these tools, we play with them. We there needs to be a way to, to to think about those kinds of things. I really like like the 18F, which is the digital service as an option. They are not big enough to deal with all the government tech problems that exist. Like mm-hmm. I think they've started with just making the websites accessible, right? Which is a big pain into itself. But mm-hmm. here in Nevada, they're like they spent a lot of money on this new like all-in-one business platform thing, and it is garbage. And I will publicly say that. Any day, they are now talking about doing an RFP for redoing it. And I'm like, how much money is allocated for this? And either A, can I bid on it? (laughs) Yeah. Because I like I have a whole bunch of accountants and bookkeepers and businesses that we've seen the problems. We know what needs to be fixed. Yeah. 
Or like, are you going to have a transparent process for picking the next person? Because it's like, is it just to rebuild the current one? Is it to refactor it? Is it to start new? Because we all know what happens when you try to do a full rewrite. Like, right. we're going to lose a lot of the context that happened in the first one. And mm -hmm. no one's going to know why the thing exists. And the, they're like, oh, why does this thing do this? It's like, oh, yeah, some random weird rule in some county somewhere. Yep. Yeah, there's, have you guys watched that movie, uh, War Dogs or whatever? Oh, where yeah. it was like, yeah. where like they have the the government contracts that they're like, we just need to buy like a thousand Berettas from mm -hmm. anybody. And like anybody could submit a proposal and they start like selling random stuff and Amazing. whatever to the government and making tons of money. It's totally, you'll have to watch that. I'm going to have can, to watch this. You can be the next War Dog. Yeah. It's pretty funny. They've also, there's like a, there's a book too that they, one of them wrote. I have a buddy that that works for a government contractor, and we used to talk about this all the time. Like, we should just submit for government contracts I mean, to like make screws. Let's or get more governments on rails, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's jump tons start, and tons of world jumpstart jumpstart government. There you go. Yeah, yeah, solving all the all the world's needs here. Just a little bit of device, and you know, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Of Does, when you when you deploy with Hatchbox, like. Have you run into anything where people have to be like HIPAA compliant or have like any like crazy compliance things? People like have asked and it's pretty much like we're not going to be HIPAA compliant. I'm pretty sure like it's such a vague set of rules too. It's like hard to know that you're really compliant. So you probably need to go through some company that can certify that you're actually HIPAA compliant and stuff. And it was like, mm. I'm one person, you know, <laughs> I don't need to do this for a one-off customer, unfortunately. Right. And like a Heroku, I, I looked into it at one point because a couple of customers had reached out about that. And I was like, looking at Heroku's version is like starts at $2,000 a month. And I was like, oh, that's, that's tempting. But it kind of brings you back to like the points that like Basecamp has made where they're like, we don't want to make a oversized amount of money from one or two customers because if they ever leave us and like our business goes out the window like we lose half our business or more and then what do we do and we got to fire all these people or whatever like we're we're unlike diversified mm -hmm. so that was kind of the same thing where i was like you know what we could end up with a few customers that are paying us you know most of our customers are pretty small under a hundred dollars a month, and then you come in with a couple that are like two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month, and then if they disappear, it's like, oh, that's a lot mm -hmm. of customers to replace them. So or they the, start the throwing their work. weight around, right? Like yeah, they it, have oh, totally. other requests that you have yep. to do because they're paying you more money. And then it's basically you're a consulting company for these two, three big customers, and you're not really running your own ship anymore. You're just getting dragged behind their boat, and mm -hmm. it's like. You're not really independent anymore running your own company. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much where I left it. It was like, yeah, you guys are better served at Heroku or whatever. Like, we're not going to provide that much better of a service or whatever. But yeah, somebody was trying to use AWS GovCloud and other things and I'm like, cool, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's just not worth it. So yeah. I'd rather, and I like helping the, the small Jason Freed and DHH just post like tweets and blog posts about like helping the underdogs. And I really like, I like that a lot. I want to help the, that's why Hatchbox and Jumpstart and Go Rails all exist. Like, and Rails, I feel like is why I'm, 
I like Rails and Laravel and things like that because it does help the underdog succeed and it can be one or two people just building cool stuff and like you know even if they don't build a company that can employ 50 people who cares if they ever like having a wonderful living mm-hmm. by themselves or with a small team they win like mm-hmm. that's amazing that can be life-changing so you know they're the underdogs and i really enjoy that sort of that sort of stuff totally yeah i think that that was one of my favorite parts of my job at stripe was just helping people earn their first like money online is I think that oh. was, it was so, so powerful. This is the uh, best feeling in the world. Like, yeah, I, I tell the story regularly, but like I, with a friend built this little, not so, not so like compliant with the Apple terms of service, but he was like buying these templates for iOS apps for like a flappy bird clone. And then he changed the graphics and make it like, flappy panda or some (laughs) stupid thing and like put his ad network ids in there and then the only way he could actually make money was like finding people to review his game so it got rated in the app store enough to like get some downloads and get some people playing it and get you know ad views and so he had these facebook groups where people are sharing their apps with each other and reviewing them so we like built this little rails app and you would pay $5 for every app you wanted to put in the pool. And mm-hmm. then you would review other people's and yours would get pushed up the queue. So then other people would review yours first. And then you get this little review group going. And uh, we made like 30 grand on that, but before it kind of got shut down by Apple mm-hmm. and stuff. <laughs> but it was like the first time we made like $25. And I think we just used PayPal for it back in the day because this is pretty long time ago but i was going to the movies i sit down and it's like turn your phone off and i like open my phone and i see a notification that i just made 25 dollars, and i was like wait a minute i didn't do any work <laughs> and i'm the movie's free like what this is nuts mm-hmm. like i was you know always trading time for money until that point and then i was like oh my god like mm-hmm. I'm sleeping and I woke up and I made a hundred dollars. Like, what mm-hmm. is this? This is insane. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I, that feeling is wild. If you've never experienced that before and you like wake up and made money, it is insane. And that's, I want as many people to like experience that as possible. Cause it, it starts to really just like change your, per, your perspective where you're not, you're not trying to do things trading your time anymore, which has like a natural limit. You can only work so many hours a week and you're only going to ever be able to charge so many dollars per hour. Like as a developer, you might get lucky and be able to charge 250 an hour or something crazy, but you can still only work 40 hours a week. So mm-hmm. like you're limited there. But if you're doing something like our screencast at GoRails, like I can make one video, 10,000 people could watch it and pay 19 bucks a month for it. And like, mm-hmm. I only had to do it one time, but that same value was able to be like reused for everybody. Yeah. So it just like starts to open your eyes to those, like those business ideas that are scalable like that or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, then you start to realize like, that's where people really make a lot. They like figure out something like that that can be done 
without trading time for it. <laughs> I have a follow-up on that that yeah. I'm curious about because I'm like, having previously been a consultant, like you become habituated to trading time for money. And I know people who start to think about their time as money. And so now that you've kind of disconnected your time from your money, like, do you ever find yourself like thinking about like how much, like, oh, I just spent eight hours on this and I could have been made, like, oh, yeah. have you been able to separate yourself from that? Uh, so now we built our house and we have a lawn now that I have to mow that takes a lot longer. And we have a pool that needs maintenance every week because we got trees around and it's like random leaves and other crap and frogs and i found a turtle in our pool and whatever and it's like okay if i was doing all of that i'd have to spend four hours on every weekend mowing the lawn i'd have to be spending at least that during the week like cleaning the pool and whatever else so like i've started very much now being like all right i can pay somebody to do that get that time back and i can can choose to spend that time trying to make more stuff or i can like spend that time with my son or mm -hmm. whatever and like choose that that's like it i'm gonna pay the money so i get time to spend with the family instead of like okay it's worth this much money and i could go back and like record another course in that eight hours i save every week and like in three months maybe you know publish a new course or whatever Sometimes mm -hmm. I think about it that way. It does help me rationalize like spending more money on things, but you also like at a certain point probably make enough money that you can do that. And mm -hmm. so it's like, it's, it's one of those benefits where it's like, if you, once you get to that size, you're like, actually now I'm making enough money. I could just shovel it into savings or whatever, but why don't my parents were always really bad about this. Like, saving money and not actually spending it to enjoy their life in the moment. They're always mm -hmm. just saving it. And then like my dad had colon cancer years ago and it was like, all of a sudden he almost died. He's recovered and he's fine now, but like he almost died and they're like, Holy crap. Life is short. We actually need to like, we've been talking about traveling. Like we've been never been to New York city. Like mm -hmm. we should go do that. Go. It's not that expensive. Like, why did we never do, why didn't we never make the time to do that? So mm -hmm. they like are doing those things now. And like, it was great for me to see that when I was younger and be like, yeah, what the hell? Like I'm 25. My dad almost died. I don't want to like be 50 and then regret that I didn't do those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I'm just trying to spend as much time as I can with my son when he's little. And I don't want to be the dad that's like always working and whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, a tool. That's how mm -hmm. I try to think about it now. It's like the money's a tool. Allocate it where you want. You're in, a, you're in tech, so chances are you'll never really have a trouble finding another job in, like, worst-case scenario. So it's not like you have to shovel everything into retirement and be scared about it. But, you mm -hmm. know, you should still do some of that. But totally. you should also enjoy your life in the moment, too. But yeah, what were you going to say, CJ? Oh, well, the first thing I was going to say is like soon enough, your son, you could just make him mow the lawn and clean the pool. Yes. But also like, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a few years, right? Yeah. The other thing before I forget is I want to recommend the Die With Zero book. It's so good. <laughs> and like the whole point of the book is basically like try to, yeah, like squeeze every ounce out of your financial life as possible so that you don't end up 
like with a bunch of money in the bank dead and like not have any experiences yeah. or whatever obviously you got to like have a balance but yeah you you need to be able to retire at some point so you need some retirement money and it's good to plan for that but it's also like you might not make it to retirement and then what was the point of having 5 million in the bank mm-hmm. by the time you're 70 and you can't use any of that cuz you're stuck at home or something it's like right. and you didn't you experience know. any of those things that you were right you, exactly right? You're like, oh only when all this stuff is super perfect, I'll go take that vacation and mm-hmm. yeah, pushing it on. Yeah, my grandparents did that and they went to like Russia and stuff, but as they were, after they were retired. So it was like they couldn't really walk very far right. and, you know, just, and my grandpa was a farmer, so he was like beat up from doing all the stuff outside in the farm for yeah. years and years and years. And my dad's kind of the same way. He's got a bum knee and whatever from doing all that too and i'm like you know what it makes it virtually impossible for you guys to like go explore cities now without like you know riding in a car to go around a lot and i'm like i want to go wander around i had Mm -hmm. the most fun wandering around like new york city and just any place so it's like do it now while you can Mm -hmm. take your kids on those experiences because that will really like open their eyes to things it totally changes your perspective too about when you think about how, oh, in the future, things are going to probably cost way more money, right? And so you think, oh, maybe mm-hmm. like over mm-hmm. time, my expenses are going to increase. But the counterintuitive reality is that as you get older, you can't actually spend the money as easily because because of these physical limitations that your body has as it's breaking down. And so like, when you are in your 50s, you'll be able to spend a lot of money and then you'll be able to spend less in your 60s, even less in 70s and like, yeah, like even less in your 80s. And your healthcare you expenses far, are through the roof, up. though. True. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But like, yeah, if you're at least if you're in the US, income, yeah, stuck in stuck at home or whatever, and you're not actually going going anywhere like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I was like always Every time I had a job with a salary, I was working on the side to like just go build something because I knew like the only real career for the most part that's uncapped is like sales where you get basically free reign to make as much money as you want as long as you bring in the business and whatever, then you get paid the commissions and stuff and you you have no real cap. You you have sort of a minimum, but it's kind of like being a, you know, a bartender or waiter and it's like you get this like really, really low salary or minimum wage. And then you're free to be as charming and, you know, as good as you want at the job and you can make as much as you want. And that doesn't really generally exist in a lot of software developer careers. You got a salary and, you know, they, they can't tie your work directly to revenue that comes in like they can with the salesperson. Um, so it was always like interesting to me to like, at least do consulting instead because then I could choose to work my butt off and do quarter million a year or half a million a year or something crazy because mm-hmm. it was entirely up to how much time do I put in? How good can I be at sales and actually get the work done and everything? And, you know, sky's the limit. But at a certain point, you're like, well, I can only do so much as one person. Mm-hmm. And like in the past couple of years with Go Rails, like I've been on my own for what seven eight years when Colin joined, and it was it was coming to the point of like I'm burning myself out trying to do all this work myself, but I've kind of hit my natural limit of 
And I had a chip on my shoulder just to figure out like, how far can I get by myself? And mm -hmm. it was like crazy numbers, mm -hmm. you know, per year, but with one person. And I was like, this is sweet, mm -hmm. but this is also unsustainable. Like, yeah. this is great. But then you get to a point of now your decision is, do I shut things down and stop mm -hmm. and cut things out and get my life back? Or do I change what I do and hire a team and we continue building stuff? And you have to think too, like, I've been doing this for eight years. Do I want to do this for another eight years or mm -hmm. 20 years or whatever? And I'm not really bored of building stuff and rails and, you know, helping the community and whatever. So the the appeal was more to like well i guess if we have a team then we can do more stuff and we can mm -hmm. accomplish more things and contribute even more but if i like am just myself i gotta shut things down and like simplify and like just focus on the maybe the stuff with the best roi which maybe isn't the thing that helps the community the most and so it was kind of like conflicting itself if i was to go that route so i ended up like all right, my job's going to change becoming more of a manager and, you know, a leader in the company, but also it might make the business more like sellable in the future where it was a hundred percent dependent on me. I now have really an asset that I could sell that someone could take over. They could hire teachers and record stuff and keep doing the go rail screencast. And like, this is now a business that's not just me that isn't really valuable for anybody else unless they hire me as an employee, which would not work because why would I want to do the same thing for somebody else if I'm already doing it for, for myself just fine. So that was, there was a lot of different decisions there in the last couple of years that made it having a kid makes it very obvious, like which path you want to take because I just kicked the can down the road for like five years, just thinking mm. about like, what do I do? I don't know. Nothing. There was not enough pros or cons for one way or the other. I'm just stuck in a limbo of like comfortableness where things aren't so bad. You have to shut it down. Things aren't so good that you're like, I'm going to just throw everything at this. I'm just like, oh, just keep chugging along. It's, it's going fine. Keeps growing. And you're like in a weird spot there where it's like things are decent, pretty mm -hmm. good, but they're not like blowing up out of control where I have tons of money and have to go hire people and grow the business. But I also, it also doesn't suck. And it's not a point where you're like, why am I doing this? Let's just shut it down and do something else. Mm -hmm. So that took a long time, but I think it, it eventually got to the point where it was like, it makes plenty of money and I need some, some quiet time, some like, just, <laughs> you know, share the burden with somebody else, you know? And, and so that's what I ended up doing in the past couple of years. And, it's been great. It's just now like we doubled the company from two to four in February. And that's, that's a big move, a very big mm -hmm. move. And what went from like most of our meetings in the past were basically like this, where we just hop on tuple and chat for whatever, you know, like 15 minutes or an hour or the whole day about anything. And we always mm -hmm. knew what everybody was doing. And now it's four people. And it's like, well, you're working on this. I haven't talked to you for like three days. And like, it is a totally different experience now with, with four people. So I'm learning all of that and trying to be, you know, cognizant about what do I need to get better at and how do we become a well-oiled machine and 
there's now you got more personalities and you know people with different responsibilities and other time zones and all these different things to figure out how do we all work together well and efficiently and make sure that everybody has their own space to just go do work without you know like i need a lot of quiet time to just poke around at a problem and explore it and it may not turn out to be anything but mm-hmm. you know i got to go just mindlessly think through something by myself without interruptions and that is like a lot more rare now so it's interesting to like see that and maybe over time i'm not contributing code as much or something but like dhh is kind of like at least in rails as an example he like shows up does a whole bunch of stuff and then disappears for like a year or something and does that again and kind of like you know does it when it makes sense and whatever. So I don't know if I'll end up in that situation or whatever, but it's, it's interesting to, to go through this change and actually like have to grow things, but I want to keep it slow and, you know, steady, but it's, it's good. I think it's going to be very good in the long run, but also it's one of those two where if you make mistakes, you make mistakes and you can like reset. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like if you hired people like Adam Wathen did that for, tailwind and like realized it wasn't working he hated it and you know pulled the plug and Mm -hmm. shrunk the company back down and it was like i have to like it's my company it's my life i can make it whatever i want so if Mm -hmm. i'm not happy like i need to go fix it and just not deal with it like this is this is my life so i want to make sure i'm enjoying it We've all had startup experiences where if you have investors, you don't necessarily always get to go slow and steady like you're talking about. Yeah. Seeing what Adam's doing, seeing what you're doing. Like, I mean, we got to hang out at RailsConf and it was fun to see people react to seeing Go Rails. Like, you know, the whole four four of you, it's like you have a bigger footprint now. And honestly, there's some resiliency there too, right? Like if you were sick, Go Rails still has three people who can work on stuff. It's not just a thing you can sell. It's a thing that you know, doesn't need to have Chris show up every single day in order for it to exist. I mean, that was, that was just before RailsConf when I went on vacation for nine days, I didn't touch the computer for nine days. Like that was the first time in probably nine years that, that I had that long of a stint without working. It was crazy. And now, yeah, I got my bodyguards at RailsConf and whatever. (laughs) So is there like, I assume there's, there's like a back channel that you have with all these other business owners. Do you have like a, a chat thread going with a bunch of ballers that are like, oh, what are you doing, you know, with your marketing um, this month or? A few people, but it's not really like, and, and I probably need to make it something more formal like that, like a mastermind or something where we either just have a discord and we just use that or. I don't know. We've tried, I've tried a few masterminds or it's like a weekly meeting or even bi-weekly. And it's like, I don't know. We're a small business. A lot doesn't happen in two weeks. Like nothing major changes that often. So you really, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough too. Cause some of the, the learnings you get from, if somebody has got a company that say 10 times where you are, if you're like mm. building an agency what you really you need to be really in with the person who's like 10 times ahead of you so you can see like 
oh, we're doing these things and that really doesn't make sense. But oftentimes, like they're not going to get any benefit from talking to you. So Mm -hmm. it can be interesting to try and find the right balance where as long as you can provide something in return value wise, those really work out well because you can pick up a lot of things. It can be not as useful if everybody's kind of on the same level and it's like, we're all here. We're not sure how we get to there, but mm-hmm. here's what I tried. And they can still be useful, definitely. But I feel like it's just kind of more like you really want to see the person who's like two steps ahead of you. But it's maybe harder for you to like provide anything in return because they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're behind me. I need the I need the guy You've 10 steps there. ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it's energy, though, just like being it is. and like being excited and talking about new shiny things and. I mean, I think that's probably valuable for those, the folks that are ahead. Yeah, that is definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I I like that for sure. And it's, it's a way to, sometimes you just don't have anybody who's uh, understands the problems that you have. Like, okay, if you're worried about paying salaries, like you can't talk to employees about that. Like Mm -hmm. you need to talk Mm -hmm. to another business owner or whatever that understands like, oh God, yeah, we had this issue. And like, we ended up opening a line of credit with the bank to like smooth things out over time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I never even would have thought that I could do that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. I'll go do that and try that. And so sometimes, yeah, there's really helpful things and just the energy of like, you have peers to, you know, vent to or whatever it is, be Mm -hmm. excited with and stuff. In general, like the education space is just like rough. So I feel like that's not everybody I end up talking to and that that's doing something similar. It's like, yeah, this just sucks. Have you listened to the Hackers Incorporated that Adam Lavin and Ben Ornstein are doing? They nail a lot of those. Like it it feels like they're talking to me when I'm listening to that Mm. because I'm like everything Adam struggles with basically doing an education business, uh, even though it's like an open source CSS thing very similar to what we do and all the struggles mm-hmm. we've had because the thing that made go rails like unsustainable for the longest time was like oh i want people are asking me to do these videos for these topics so i try and cater to those and like i don't have any interest in doing like a, a backbone js and mm-hmm. rails api whatever mm-hmm. but people were asking for it and i was like trying to accommodate everybody mm-hmm. and like I'd burn myself out because I got to go teach myself backbone and learn all the ins and outs. And then in 40 hours, I still may not really understand it very well to the point where I can teach it or I might end up teaching it in a way that's just like really janky because that's how Mm -hmm. I learned it from these other tutorials. And then people are asking you questions about how how am I supposed to fix this thing? And you're like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I just learned it last week. You know as much as I do. So... I have tried to pivot and just like build stuff and then teach what I'm building. And like that, Mm -hmm. I'm usually very excited about those things. Mm -hmm. And then I can also much more easily teach that content because it's fresh in my mind as Mm -hmm. opposed to like trying to learn something brand new and teach something I don't fully understand. It's much easier Mm -hmm. if you already know something deeply and go teach it that way. So totally, that's made it, that's made the whole business like sustainable, but it, sustainable is relative too because it's still publish a video every week and it's you know know. the the yeah the grind of 
same same thing that all the Twitch streamers are stuck with. You got to show up every night, play video games for 10 hours straight and never miss a day. And like that becomes a job real fast. Even though you're playing video games, it's a job. Yeah, I burnt out real hard just like making tons of content last year and like yeah, I like couldn't do it anymore. And and like, you had to like you had to do that of using javascript frameworks and php and ruby and like you were doing something that seems to me like is extremely hard because you you have to go so broad whereas in rails i can go real deep on rails and only care about ruby and rails things but you're like you're deep on stripe but broad on every language which is like crazy to me that sounds very very hard yeah, it was it was tons of fun to learn like the frameworks and stuff. And in the beginning, I had a blast just like picking up all the like the same patterns in different languages. But yeah, to your point, I would make a video in Ruby having fun with something and someone would be like, can you do the same thing in PHP now? I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. We need some uh, some Elixir. We need some Rust. Yeah. 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 That's same funny. Story. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, you can head over to buildandlearn.dev to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Bye, friends.